Welcome to Not Another Feminist Podcast. I'm Alex Martinez, but today's episode will be hosted by one of our rebel girls, Brie Reddick. She's going to be talking about all things menstruation, like taxing female hygiene products and even how to insert a diva cup. I'll pass it on to Brie and let's dive right in. Hello, hello to all those that are self-distancing and quarantining themselves. So I think that it's important that while global health is kind of at the forefront of most conversations right now, that we really expand that dialogue and talk about other things that we should be talking about that maybe aren't as sexy as the coronavirus. You know, they're over half of the population is experiencing something once a month that gets little to no coverage that people don't talk about, that people are embarrassed to talk about, that people feel shame around, and that's menstruation. You know, there's lots of different names for it. There's Aunt Flo, Mother Nature, um, that time of the month, Bloody Mary, Shark Week. You know, I've heard so many euphemisms for menstruation, and yet I think that it's once again another device that we are using to kind of talk around menstruation as opposed to talking about it explicitly. And when we don't talk about periods, I think that we're really sending messaging to a lot of young menstruators that that is a status quo and that you should oblige to that. And that your pain that you may be experiencing or the symptoms that you may be experiencing from your period is something you should just shut up and deal with. So while people may not be saying, ew, that's disgusting, don't talk about it, there are social cues and social norms that deter us from even having the conversation. I will never forget getting my period for the first time in middle school and just having a complete meltdown. Of course, you know, my family responded with, this is what it means to be a woman and all of that BS that we just roll our eyes to now. But, you know, in that moment, I just felt like no one understood me. Here I am, 12 years old, bleeding in between my legs at an in- t- a terrible rate. And everyone is just operating like it's normal. It took me a while to eventually realize that it was normal, but at 12, you just can't grasp that this is something that you're going to have to deal with for the rest of your life. I remember I would, every time I would get my period, I would beg my parents to stay home because I was so mortified by the potential to be embarrassed that if I bled through my pants or if someone saw me sneaking a tampon into my sleeve or saw, I don't know, a pad in my backpack that they were just going to humiliate me. And so I remember in seventh and eighth grade, just literally calling, acting like I was sick more than I already was and just calling home and going to the nurse's office because I was so mortified that I had to go around other people while I was bleeding And that's terrible. You know, looking back, I do wish that my family was a little bit more empathetic to what I was experiencing. Because for a lot of us, our period is really the first time we are struck with the reality of what our body can do. You know, getting your period often is followed by the birds and the bees conversation. And you're told, look, if you have sex, you'll have a baby. 
And that's just a really reductive way to talk about a person, a young menstruator, someone that is experiencing something new for the first time. And it only amplifies this existing feeling that we have, that we no longer have control of our body, that no matter what we do, we are going to have to survive this thing for the, a good portion of our life. And menstruators are not just baby machines, and so we should not navigate that conversation by removing that human element and, you know, just eradicating feelings because we do feel things actually exponentially when we are experiencing menstruation. So I would like to think that a much more productive conversation would be one where Yes, we talk about the mechanics, but you also listen to our questions and you sit with our feelings and emphasize that this is not something to be ashamed of. It's natural. You have control over your body, but look, that you're going to have to navigate this thing and that's up to you on how you do it. So I come from the perspective that if we are uncomfortable with something as natural and biological as your period, where does that shame end? You know, what happens when we start having sex? If I can't even buy tampons in the pharmacy without shames, do you think I can buy a condom in the pharmacy? I think periods are a good starting point that can branch off into so many other things like self-worth, body image, conversations about sexuality, and provide this kind of neutral starting point to just really indulge in a greater conversation about ourselves and really what it means to live in a world where a lot of menstruators are fighting for equal pay. I mean, don't you find it ridiculous that in a majority of states in this country, there is a luxury tax on menstrual hygiene products, so tampons, pads, etc. There is a which are already not that affordable if you'd want to think about it because depending on your flow and how long your period lasts, paying $10 for 16 tampons may not be the most cost-effective thing for your life. I mean, 16 tampons can last an entire cycle for some, but for others, it could last, I don't know, maybe three days and when you think about the financial burden that that causes, because it's something that, you know, we can't control, but there's a luxury tax on it. It really makes you think about what this country thinks about menstruation and that it's something that should be cast aside next to these material goods like expensive furs and yachts and private jets I just don't understand how someone could put tampons and pads in the same category as those things. It's not something that I would like to have. It's something that I need to have, right? And not only are these products not transparent in, well, a lot of them aren't transparent in what their ingredients are. So many of us, when we do go for the cheaper option in our menstrual hygiene products a lot of these have toxins and terrible things that we are putting inside of our vagina and we have no idea what's going up there and you know they're selling us 
floral scented tampons like why why are you trying to get me to put that in my vagina i mean if a majority of men were menstruating do you think that they would be selling these terrible toxin-free items to put in a really sensitive part of their body I guess that's up to interpretation, but I don't believe so. I think that that's why we really have to talk about menstruation as a feminist issue because we're not only being taxed at a, at a higher rate for something that we need, but we're also being marketed to by these corporations that don't have our health and our best interests in mind. So for me... I think one of the ways that I've tried to reclaim my own body and my own menstrual cycle is to actually stay clear from store-bought tampons and pads, and I actually use a menstrual cup now. For me, I think this was a really important part of me reclaiming my body, and I think that now we are definitely in this movement where we are moving towards sustainable and toxin-free products. Because as you can probably understand, tampons and pads are, pro- are not the best things for the environment. Actually, billions of period products are thrown into the trash every year and these applicators and used pads just end up in our landfill landfills and then eventually on our beach beach shores and you know most pads will never decompose because they are 90% plastic so i think for me transitioning into a menstrual cup transitioning to a menstrual cup was important not only as a person that cares about the environment but also a person that cares about my body because at least the menstrual cup I use, I'm aware of the ingredients that were used to make it. And personally, I was using tampons for so many years because I thought that they were the most effective menstrual product for me. I was not educated on other options really because we were kind of just fed that tampons and pads are the only thing you can use. But I was starting to experience a lot of vaginal dryness. It would become uncomfortable for me to wear tampons. And so once I transitioned into using a menstrual cup, I became, not only did my cycle feel more seamless, but it also helped me reclaim my body and my cycle. And it felt like I had a say in how I experienced it. And it also helps that, you know, It can last for up to 10 years. So one-time investment of like $40 for period care is much more cost-effective than, you know, constantly resupplying a box of tampons or pads that range from about like $4 to $11. So I think that the menstrual cup at this moment is the right product for me. And while I would never want to push my method on to other menstruators, I think that it can be really empowering to encourage other menstruators to look at their other options, right? Now we're seeing so many other sustainable period products come to life 
We have period-proof underwear, which is not everyone's cup of tea, I understand. But for some, it seems much more comfortable to wear period-proof panty rather than inserting a foreign object into their vagina. And I think that you really just have to be empathetic of everyone's experience and listen to what they feel comfortable with and what they don't and then allow that to help and guide them on what period product is the best for them. It's absolutely not a one-size-fits-all method, just like birth control. The pill may work for some, and it may not work for others. And I think that it's important that we all share our experiences because it's formative to hear about other people's experiences before we try it for ourselves. But also, yeah, you may lose some dollars if you constantly try these new renewable or reusable forms of period products but you could also find something that really works for you you know if a menstrual cup's not your thing i understand it's not a lot of people's things you can try the period proof underwear like i said or maybe even trying reusable pads or even possibly the flex disc you know i haven't tried it myself but allegedly it claims that you can have sex while well, you can have penetrative sex while you have it in. And so there's all of these other options. And I think that we shouldn't limit ourselves to tampons and pads necessarily when we haven't tried out all of these other forms of menstrual hygiene products. And if you do choose that tampons and pads are the period product that you'd like to stick with, I would really encourage you to kind of look into the brand that you're buying. You know, before we kind of only had like Always and I think it was Tampax. Those were kind of the only brands, especially when I was growing up, or the generic brand that you find at a pharmacy or supermarket. Those were the only brands that I really saw. And now when I go into the menstrual hygiene um, aisle at Target or a pharmacy, I see so many other brands and I think that's incredible. I think that we deserve more options and that we should have more of a say of what we allow near or in our body. And especially you have a lot of brands like Lola and Salt and Flex and they're really advocating for organic ingredients in their um, period products and I think that's incredible. A lot of people don't realize that they are putting toxins straight into their body and I think that it's really manipulative of the industry to even allow us to do that or even allow us the opportunity to put something in our body that could potentially harm us. I remember growing up and hearing the horror stories that are from toxic shock syndrome and if you use other period products, while you absolutely have to be intentional about cleaning them, you do have less of a chance of obtaining toxic shock, toxic shock syndrome and all of these terrible things that come along with, you know, tampons and pads such as, in my experience, vaginal dryness, which could absolutely become uncomfortable at certain times and... I have not experienced any of that 
since transitioning to a menstrual cup. But I will say that there definitely is a learning curve when transitioning to a menstrual cup. So for me, the insertion of it, not too bad. I think that if you do feel discomfort of inserting things into your vagina, maybe it's not the product for you. But for me, as long as I relaxed, it wasn't that difficult. While it was inside, I mean, you can keep it up there for about 12 hours, and that holds true for me. I have the salt cup, and I can leave it in. I don't usually leave it in for about 12 hours, but maybe like 8, because I only like to take it out when I'm at home. But speaking of, the removal, I will say, is the part that I think a lot of people would have to get used to. So... For my menstrual cup, and I think most menstrual cups are like this, you essentially have to break the suction of the menstrual cup. So you don't just pull it out kind of like a tampon. You have to insert your fingers to where the cup lies in your cervix and squeeze it and then pull it out. And I would suggest doing this in the shower, especially for your first couple of times because it can be messy. But once again, I think for me... It made me feel like I had more say in how I experienced my period. And I also kind of didn't dread it as much. I would always be like, damn, I'm going to get my period this week. And kind of, you know, schedule my week around that. But now I feel like I can just go about my everyday life when I have my period. So all this being said, I think that... It really is time that menstruators really reclaim what it means to menstruate and not just allow these companies and corporations to feed us these false ideas of what it means to menstruate because really that's up to us. Everyone experiences menstruation differently and for me personally, Finding an alternative and sustainable period product was really what allowed me to kind of reclaim my cycle and feel like I had a say in what happens to my body and how I experience this thing that happens once a month. Um, I think that it has also allowed me to gain confidence and kind of interrogate that shame that I've felt for so many years. It also does help that you don't have to when you have a menstrual cup that you don't have to go to the bathroom constantly and check it. And so I no longer find myself hiding tampons in my sleeve or in my pants. Um, And now I can just operate like a regular human being. And I think that's really empowering for me. And I think it can be really empowering for a lot of other people. So I encourage you to do your research Think about what feels comfortable and what doesn't and why. And, you know, try things out. There's no harm in trying. And I think that once we can all productively have a conversation about periods and then have and then eventually have so many different period products, eventually we can come together and really grow from this experience where the end goal is to eradicate period shame because it's not something that we're born with, it's something that we're taught and it's a direct correlation to the patriarchy. And as feminists, we should 
really be actively rejecting these stereotypes about menstruators and what it means to menstruate because these stereotypes do not live in a vacuum, right? They're used to then form policies that marginalize menstruators and especially low-income menstruators. So yes, menstruation is a feminist issue, but it's also an everybody issue. We should all care about menstruation, even if you don't experience it yourself. It's something that impacts a lot of people, and that should mean something to you. And I think that's all I have left to say. I really appreciate everyone for listening to me ramble on about periods, because that is literally my favorite topic. And you should be hearing from me really soon. Because in the next episode, I will be talking about periods and their relationship with sex positivity and sex workers. So stay tuned and thank you so much for listening. This is Brie. Bye.